Smartcast. You're listening to a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. Hello and welcome to the HD Branch podcast. The weekly companion to your printed copy of HD Branch where I, your host Karishma Kunzang from Team Branch, give you a behind the scenes of what you'll be reading on Sunday. There'll be interviews with the biggest Bollywood celebrities talking about things that matter to them. You'll also get to know a little more about the columns by Veer Sangvi and Seema Goswami from the columnists themselves. Why should you listen to it? Well, it's one of India's top Sunday magazines. It has the best editors, columnists and opinion leaders bringing you what's happening around town. Listen on for an additional dose of brunch. This series is available on hdsmartcast.com, India's fastest growing podcast producing platform. Hey guys, how's it going? How much do you care about whether your clothes are branded or not? Do you care more about whether it suits your personality or what style works for you or do you just go with what's trending? Or have you, like me, embraced comfort clothing and will have to be peeled out of your pyjamas once you have to start going to office again? Well, this week's cover star Kalol Datta talks about style, fashion, the industry and style being art in conversation with fashion editor Nonita Kaldra and fashion writer and expert Bharat Gupta. Don't call me a clothes maker. My collections are projects and my shows exhibits. I don't see myself as an editor, I'm more of a journalist. Kalol Datta and Nonita Kalra's contribution to fashion goes beyond the obvious. The cover story by Nonita delves deep into what makes Kalol so comfortable with discomfort. Welcome to the HT Branch podcast, editor-in-chief Nonita Kalra and the designer whose exhibits are works of art, Kalol Datta. Welcome to both of you. Thank you Bharat. Thank you for having us. The cover story is written by you Nonita. Would you like to take us through your first impression of Kalol when he showcased as a Gen X designer for Lakme Fashion Week? Um you know it what a great question to ask because my favorite shows for Fashion Week were always the Gen X shows because that's when you discovered raw new talent. You discovered designers who actually had something they wanted to say and they were unfiltered. And I think Kalol's show was all the things I've described. It was raw talent. It was unfiltered. He had a point of view. And remember that moment where we were sitting doing the L Style Awards, and we went, "Okay, we have a future winner." You know, there's somebody here who's not uncomfortable with saying what he thinks. And I think what was really beautiful for all of us was we knew it was the beginning of his story. He was going to build on it. It wasn't the beginning and end and just the same thing over and over again. This was just a starting point. And what was great is we couldn't predict which way he was going to go. But he was definitely he had a lot of things to say. And it's the unpredictability of Kalol that makes him so special, right? Kalol a designer always uses um his voice you know it's almost like he's speaking through his collection so when you decided to start your label what did you envision for it to be and have you reached there yet i always had a lot to say and i trained in clothes making for 5 years so that was the only thing i knew how to do how to go about um expressing myself through clothes but as time's gone by i've realized i can't limit myself to only the act of only the practice of clothes making there has to be something more you know i have to build on that 
And uh, like Nonita said, that unpredictability comes in because I also don't really plan out I'm going to go in a particular direction. Um, I'll do what comes to me naturally. Uh, I'll gravitate towards certain things um, on my own. So nothing's pre-planned, nothing's premeditated, um, as naturally as possible. That's, that's the way it's always been for me. And, you know, one uh, takeaway that I had from this story was when, you know, you told Nonita that you focus on shapes and forms more than human bodies. So, you know, when your thought process is on the forms and not so much as the gender, do you think that this, in effect, makes fashion genderless for you? Do you think that there is a gender beyond man, woman, or any form of definite um, space that we see it in? Yeah, I mean, I want to uh, take that question of yours and, you know, travel back a little to when I was doing my undergrads, where every time we did a project in design school, we were asked to first come up with a mood board and then a client profile. I never really understood that process because I couldn't put down my ideas on a mood board or something which resembled a mood board of sort or figure out who's, my, who's the exact person who's going to wear my garment. Um, I felt that in itself was kind of undem- you know, not very democratic, so as to speak, where you're already dictating this is the kind of person who can partake in my work. And um, I've always said this, that by not acknowledging humans when I'm beginning the process of, you know, shapes, silhouette forms, layering and all of that, um, but not including all of that, there's also uh, a big exclusion of, Uh, gender tropes, Um, which is why it's always been a construct, right? For me, it's never been something set in stone where for women, the placket of the buttons have to lay on one side of the garment or for men, the zipper has to be on one side. Um, So yeah, none of that I I ascribe to. I agree. So Nonita, now I'm going to take this question forward to you and ask you, you know, as an editor of major fashion magazines in the past, um, editorials have always taken up space of doing something which is different, which is based on concepts. Therefore, models have had a space um, in terms of not being stereotypical, especially in editorial shoots. Do you think that uh, currently we're only dealing with a narrative of inclusivity or do you think that it is something which is now actively come into practice? How can it not be in practice? It's 2021. It's absurd to think that we're still asking a question that has it permeated. Is it a truth or, you know, I mean, I, I, I find it really absurd when we ask this question because it's 2021. You talk to any young person. I mean, gender fluidity is not even a term I like to use. I actually like the term that Kalol uses, human or clothing for everybody. And I think that there was a time when, you know, particularly when Kalol sort of launched his brand, There was a time you could ask that question. But I think that particularly post-pandemic, our relationship with clothing, why we choose to wear it, how we want to wear it, it has all changed so much that I think words like gender fluid or, you know, the narrative of clothing, it's all changed. We just need to look at human clothing and humanity and maybe responsible fashion. And those are the terms I would like to use. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question. So, yes, um, it does. It does uh, very successfully, Nonita. Um, In addition to that, I'd like to ask you that 
by uh, asking that in practice how effective is it i meant that do you see indian designers partaking in this uh, actively now or do you think this there is still a long way to go or there are only a few who've taken this direction and the rest are just doing it for um, commercial value or publicity you know the beauty of fashion is that everyone is going to express themselves their own way so while some designers are genuinely making clothes for human beings and they believe in the democracy of fashion some designers are going to make clothing that address just the young bride people will make clothing based on e-commerce and commerce first right you have to remember it's been a year and a half of no business or very slow business sure. then they're going to make clothing based on what they believe in and i think as long as people stay true to what they believe in i'm okay with it i don't need this to be everywhere i think that we must just respect a freedom of choice to make clothing for the person you want to speak with as long as you don't exclude somebody with disdain i mean you know if you don't make clothing for them that's fine but don't exclude them with disdain or don't talk down to them or don't be dismissive of people's choices i'm looking for a sort of egalitarianness in communication and sort of agreeing to disagree my my demand from fashion at this moment is not who is making it is it authentic why are they making it should everybody be making it because that in itself is another kind of construct that we're forcing on people i think if we live and let be people will find their space in clothing and people will choose what they want to wear if if a young man wants to wear a lenga i would love to see it you know women have been wearing pants forever if there's going to be a certain kind of clothing that works across for men women age choice why not but i don't want it to be a rule and i don't yeah i just don't want it to be a rule sure sure uh, i completely agree nonita and i wait for the day to see um, a man in a lenga at a wedding um let's hope that that day is no not far away but let's not stereotype and let's not um, like you said hope for it to become a rule let's just let people be and that will make fashion easier and let's not restrict ourselves to terms like gender fluid and keep it to what kolol call them as humans and that's what we are kolol uh, talking beyond fashion you know you consider yourself more than just fashion what is it beyond that excites you well it's the multiple ecosystems you know that i'm able to absorb partaken and also where other creatives are able to access my work so i don't the way i operate i don't have too many acquaintances or friends in fashion or those who are clothes makers i have a lot of people who are probably you know artists journalists um photojournalists writers and i think that's always excited me of having a wide varied friend group or friend circle um and obviously people you align with right and especially in today's day people you align with uh, politically social values all of that and i think that's what makes it interesting because like you said i don't consider myself to be a fashion designer because i don't uh, operate the way how fashion designers in our region are meant to operate so i don't um i, I don't follow the seasonal or the yearly or the retail structure which a lot of others do i don't have a relationship with the indian film industry which uh, seems to be used as a crutch by a lot of my peers and um so and i don't access trends to uh, 
base my work upon. So, um, so yes, I, I think I find more similarities or find more like-minded people beyond clothing. That's always been the case. And when your clothes are the hero, Kalol, I don't think you need uh, crutches or any other form of support to uh, further what you're doing and and something that you do so beautifully. Now, this is something that I read in the uh, story as well, Nonita, where uh, Kalol uh, says that you know he has a lot of acquaintances in fashion, and you refer to him as an old friend. So, tell me from for, from tracing Kalol's journey through all these years, what makes him a standout for you? I also say that the moment I think we're old friends, he very sweetly adds that he has no friends in the business. And I started to giggle <laughs> because I thought that, you know, isn't it great that, you know, Zoom makes you feel like you have made an intimate connection with someone because we're so starved for connections right now. So we're taking these interactions, you know, so seriously. And I think there's something about staring at a screen uh, that's both uncomfortable and intimate in a very strange manner. Um, what makes Kalol stand out has been the fact that he is, you can't define him and I wouldn't like to. He's not predictably unpredictable. Um, he gives himself his own tags, which is very, very funny. He sometimes will joke and say, I'm India's heaviest designer. Um, he came up with the term ethnogrunge for his clothing. He doesn't like to be put in a box or described. And that for me is, is really compelling because he's going to surprise you, delight you, sometimes disappoint you, anger you, frustrate you. But it's always going to be something that you're going to look forward to because it's original. And for somebody original, I have a range of emotion. And I think that that's what makes me so excited. That's why I was so excited about doing this piece. I felt many things looking at his work, but I hate describing them. And that's the joy of this interview. If you notice, I've tried very hard not to describe it. What was very hard for me was to put his body of work together into an article because there's been so much work and it has not been fashion shows. It has been art installations. It's been commentary. It's been the way he's used a label or, or you know, created a collection. So the inability to pin him down has been the most fun thing about his entire journey and the, the hardest thing about writing this piece. And you've made it extremely easy for us because what a delightful read it is. It's really given us an insight as, uh, as an outsider and those um, who enjoy fashion, um, HD Branch reaches out to a lot of people across the country. And I think uh, this will give a deeper insight into the reach of fashion and the diversity in fashion today. Um, Kalol, your shows are experiential, if I may. Um, you call them exhibits and not shows. In this current changing environment, you know, um, where physical shows aren't taking place and uh, little do we know when they will again, how do you show or what do you predict or how would you want to showcase your collection um, if we weren't doing these fashion films that everyone's doing now? So I've been very fortunate where I get to have two physical exhibits this year. Um, one's coming up in September next month uh, at the VNA, and then there's a new body of work which will be exhibited at uh, Aomorika Contemporary Art Center in Japan in December. And which is why I've always been greedy, you know, in terms of uh, exhibition showcases because I didn't want to settle for 
okay, this is the available format for you as a clothes maker, as a designer, and you have to exhibit in that manner only. Uh, I'm always looking for um, meatier venues, more conducive environments to showcase. I remember having the opportunity to have a fully sponsored show at Fashion Week, and I chose to not take that up and you know, instead release a collection in the form of a zine, which had a limited print run of 250 copies. But I can't tell you how satisfied I felt at the end of it uh, while presenting the zine. And it was also uh, commercially quite successful. Um, so it's basically how you, you know, strike a balance with your work and the way you want it to be perceived, the way you want to uh, share it with viewers, observers, consumers, all of that. And also now in this current environment where everything seems to be unpredictable while we hope for a right direction. Uh, Nonita, for aspiring designers, designers who would be Gen X designers, how Kalol began his journey, what would your uh, thoughts be to them and what would your recommendations be to them who want to sort of uh, venture um, in the current environment? You know, I think you've got to first know who you are as a designer and you that you won't get from looking at somebody else. I'm always fascinated by designers who are inspired by other designers to the point that they will copy them. That's not how it's going to happen. Know who you are and have the courage to follow that. While we think it's harder in some ways, what's interesting is that social media has made a lot of fashion very democratic. Some of the more successful brands, the brands that have popped up and given us some sort of delight and joy during the pandemic, have been direct to customer, right? We've looked at Instagram and shopped off Instagram and bought small labels uh, who've had limited run. That's how you're sustainable as well as a customer. But for a young designer, you control your narrative. You say, this is how I want to make it. This is what I want to do. This is what I want to say. And I think we could argue the relevance of fashion weeks and fashion films. By the way, I do enjoy them. I think that it's interesting to see our designers Using another medium, because I think all storytelling is going to need many, many touch points. For example, just the brunch story. Uh, not only have I written a piece, we're doing this podcast. There are going to be many touch points. In an ideal world, you know, Kalul would have had an art show where we could have had the work up. I mean, how amazing would that have been? So for young designers, own your narrative, use social media, use the democracy of social media. And as every designer knows, you have to be in equal parts fearless and foolish because whenever you start your own business, it's hard work and you're going to fail many, many times, but you have to pick yourself up and do what you believe in. It's as simple as that and as hard as that. I don't mean to diminish it. And it's beautiful how even with everything that's gone around, fashion has found a way to adapt itself from um physical runway shows to digital fashion firms to digital shows. Um, through the year, they found newer and innovative ways of being relevant, of reaching out to people and still creating and innovating. Um, thank you so much, Kalol. Thank you so much, Nonita, for taking time out for this podcast. Our listeners will be inspired. Um, the fashion fraternity that both of you are aspirational for We'll really enjoy this conversation and everyone who reads the article uh, written by you so beautifully, Nonita, thank you for doing that as well. Kalol, um, like Nonita said, you're original, you're different and you speak a language of your own. This is something that each aspiring designer needs to look at. They need to be original and as Nonita said, use the democracy of social media 
to be out there and to find a market for yourself. Thank you so much, both of you. Thank you for having us. This was absolutely wonderful, Kalol. I hope you're going to enjoy the piece. I want to tell you that I was very, very smart. I used Kalol as my fact checker. I just ran everything, every piece of information past him, saying, please confirm I haven't got anything wrong. But a good journalist often makes mistakes, Kalol. I hope we'll be friends Monday morning. I can't tell you how much I'm looking forward to reading the piece. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. And thank you, Bharat, for having me on this podcast. Thank you. Who says accidents can't be happy? The molten chocolate cake is one such scrumptious accident that's now available everywhere in India. I've come across fairly decadent ones in Delhi, but I'm still waiting for Mumbai to surprise me. Maybe because I'm more of a rich chocolate cake fan that's fudgy and not too sweet. Preferably a dark chocolate truffle mm, with lots of hazelnuts. Just the thought, you know, of um, describing this to you is tempting enough for me to try and find something worth my money on Zomato Swiggy. But uh, HG Ranch columnist Veer Sangvi has much more to say about the molten chocolate cake. Listen on for his take. It's a dessert you're probably familiar with. It's a chocolate dessert. It looks solid. You take your spoon, you poke the center and rich chocolate liquid or chocolate syrup oozes out. It's a popular dessert. You'll get it everywhere at restaurants at all price ranges. And if you've seen the movie Chef, it has a starring role. A critic comes in, says something bad about the dessert. The chef comes out of the kitchen, storms into the restaurant, says to the critic, you don't even know how it's made, and criticizes him. It's an interesting dessert, even without the chef connection. Because it spread all over the world in the 1990s, and now you get it at Chili's, you get it at supermarkets, you get it everywhere. But it was basically created by accident. The French chef, Jean-Jean Wangaritten, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this right, worked in New York, did a party, he was catering a party, at a restaurant called Lafayette, asked them to make small chocolate cakes. They screwed up the timing because if you put too many cakes in the oven, then the oven doesn't heat at the same rate. And when the cakes came out, they were raw in the center. There's no other way to put it. So when guests cut into them, all the batter from the center oozed out. So Jean-Jean was mortified. But something strange happened. Guests loved it. So he decided to brazen it out. At the end, when he made a speech, he went through every item in the menu and said, I hope you liked the molten chocolate cake inventing the name on the spot, he got a standing ovation. People clapped. And since that day, this cake, invented by accident, has become a rage. I tell the story this week in Root Food. Should you be posting about the vacations you've managed to escape to during the pandemic? And the fare that you've been whipping up after months of watching cooking videos or, in my case, calling up my mom for recipes? And what about the first time you step outside for a meal during the pandemic? Or just catch up with fully vaccinated friends, complete with the mask and everything. You know, that's a dilemma most people are finding themselves in right now. While others, like me, stick to dog and cat videos and pictures. What about you? Here's what HD Brunch columnist Seema Goswami has to say about the people online who are judging the ones living their lives on the gram. 
COVID has brought with it many unwelcome additions to our life. There's the constant mask wearing, there's the social distancing, and then most disquieting of all is the constant fear that we may fall prey to the virus at any time. But on social media, it has created a new subset of influencers, a poor-faced brunch that I have dubbed the How Dare You Brigade, who seem to exist only to berate people for trying to squeeze some joy out of life in the times of corona. You know who I mean. It doesn't take much to trigger them. And once triggered, they lose no time in telling you what an insensitive, entitled, elitist type you are for posting pictures of your holiday in the hills, your time at the beach, your adventures in the kitchen, your meal in a restaurant. I could go on, but I'm sure you get the idea. According to them, posting these pictures is a slap in the face of all those who are struggling with life at this time. It doesn't seem to occur to them that those people who are posting this stuff are also suffering in the same way. They are merely trying to search for some joy in a challenging world, to find a moment of happiness in a time of ineffable sadness and to celebrate it with their friends and followers on social media. It really takes a breathtaking lack of imagination and compassion not to see that. Well, I'm here to tell the How Dare You Brigade that I don't care about their clambering high on the moral high ground. I don't care about all their how dare use. I dare to do all these things and more, and I shall continue to do them. And if they don't like it, well, they can simply get off my timeline, can't they? I came across Sitaris Arjun Varma, who has over 25 years of experience performing at venues across the world since he was seven years old, quite recently on Instagram. And turns out that he's the son of sitarist Roop Varma, who was a disciple of Ali Akbar Khan and Ravi Shankar. So Arjun has been learning the sitar from his father since he was five years old. Today, Arjun is known for his traditional works in Indian classical music as well as innovative cross-genre collaborations. We got him to give us a peek into his new album, Epiphanies, and I hope you enjoy it. This is Arjun Verma with a track from my new sitar album, Epiphanies. I hope you enjoy and follow me at Sitarify.
have a fantastic Sunday brunch. weekend is when you take a break from a hectic week whether it's work from home or work from work it's also a day to develop perspective on things by not just consuming news but also analyzing it by listening to different points of views and figuring out what you feel about it we hope we've been able to do just that with today's hd brunch podcast feel free to give us feedback and suggestions on hd smartcast on facebook twitter and instagram or dm us directly at hd brunch on instagram and twitter to listen to more podcasts log on to hdsmartcast.com or suno nay nazariye se I will see you back here next weekend with another dose of entertainment that keeps things real. Till then, happy brunching guys. This was a Hindustan Times production brought to you by HD Smartcast. HD Smartcast.